today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. might be other reasons, again, for separation, why the marriage is unhealthy. I'm just telling you, as far as divorce goes, there are only two biblical grounds. Again, let me just reiterate, I feel prompted by the Spirit to say that even when there's been unfaithfulness, that is not God saying you should divorce. That is simply saying there are two ways out that can be exercised in the event of adultery, in the event an unbelieving spouse leaves. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians. In Pastor Gary's message today, he teaches through the tough topic of divorce. Many relationships are dissolved due to irreconcilable differences. However, disagreements are to be expected in any relationship. There are two biblical grounds for divorce. And divorce is not always the answer to these issues. Anything that is valuable is complicated and worth working to save. Anything that is worthy will be under attack by the devil. All the more reason to call out to God for his protection and guidance during these difficult circumstances. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. He says, I say this, As a concession, not as a command. I wish that all men were as I am. He's single, Paul is. It is inferred that he's been previously married. It is believed that he was married to a woman who was not a believer. And so when he became a believer, the marriage dissolved. He says, I wish that all men were as I am. But each man has his own gift from God, implying that singleness for some people actually is a gift. He says, one has this gift, another has that. And there's no indication in scriptures that Paul ever remarried. We know he had to have been married because he was a member of the Jewish ruling council of the Sanhedrin. And it was a requirement for the Sanhedrin members to be married. But now he speaks as a single man. And there's no uh, any kind of inference later in scripture that he ever remarried. And he implies here that he had a gift of singleness. That he was content to be single. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the chapter. There's some advantages to singleness he's going to talk about. But he is saying here that as far as a married couple goes, a husband belongs to the wife, the wife belongs to the husband. They have to mutually be considerate of each other's sexual needs. But there's some grace here. And this is, these are the statements of grace. So what he says here is the only reasons to intentionally deprive each other sexually would be the following. And these three are what Paul says here. By mutual consent, for a limited time, and for an expressed purpose with prayer. There are some obvious legitimate needs where sometimes physical intimacy is either difficult or um, impossible in some circumstances. 
And so there needs to be some mutual consent here where there's grace for each other. Sexuality should never be something that is demanded, but it should be something that is always offered as a gift each to each other, the husband to the wife, the wife to the husband. When it gets to the place where it's being demanded, and this is your duty, and let me quote, did you hear the pastor? First Corinthians chapter 7. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. So by mutual consent, and for a limited time though, because he says, listen, let's just be real. In the area of our sexuality, Satan can come in and tempt us. So he says, you better do it for a limited time because you open yourselves up for the potential of Satan to come in and tempt. Now, Satan is never an excuse for unfaithfulness. We got that, right? Satan is never an excuse for unfaithfulness. Well, the devil made me do in temptation, and that's the reason why all this guy. Not, that is never a reason for unfaithfulness. But we should be aware of the potential to be tempted in our flesh when regular sexual intimacy is not met. And so Paul says by mutual consent, there can be grace for a limited time and for an expressed purpose with prayer. There can be valid reasons why a couple just needs to, for a time, put the physical part on the back burner that you might engage in a spiritual union, seeking God and prayerfully seeking Him and coming together for a particular prayer need or there's a burden going on in your life or in your family and so you put aside the physical because you want to come together for the spiritual. So he, he builds that whole thing into this passage here. You know, sex is not a tool. It is not a weapon. Please don't ever use sex as a weapon to punish your spouse. That's sin. That is sin. We should be able to be honest with each other in a marriage. You should be able to say, could we wait? Could it, could it be tomorrow? Or the, you know, the, There could be some dialogue. There can be some concessions made. There can be some grace. But it should never be used as a tool, as a weapon, or demanded. Sex is something beautiful that God has given in a marriage for not only there to be physical pleasure, procreation, children as a result of that physical union, but it is also what God tells us in Genesis 2, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and the two shall be united together as one. It becomes a spiritual union as much as a physical bond. And God is given sexual expression in a marriage as a beautiful thing between a husband and a wife. But that is where it is to be enjoyed and nowhere else. No other relationship outside of marriage between one man and one woman, dare I say, that is the expression of sexual intimacy between a man and a woman in a marriage. And there's grace to go around, but this is something we need to be aware of in regards to our own sexual relationship as husbands and wives. Then he moves on here in verse 8. Notice in your Bibles, verse 8, he says, Now to the unmarried and the widows. To the unmarried and the widows. So now he's going to give some advice here in verses 7 and 8. Uh, sorry, verses 8 and 9. He says, Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, It is good for them to stay unmarried as I am, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. All right? He's just being real here. He says, listen, if you can't keep your hands off each other, get married. Okay? Don't, don't be super spiritual and say, well, you know, we're just going to, you know, live in singleness. If that's what God calls you to, beautiful. If that's a gift God's given you, wonderful. 
But otherwise, if you're going to burn with passion, get married for goodness sake. So that's, that's his advice to the unmarried, which might imply previously married, uh, and to the widows, those who have lost a spouse. It is better to remain single if you have the gift. Otherwise, it is, be- it is better that you marry. Again, he refers to this as, as a gift in verse 7. So some have a gift of singleness. They're just content in their singleness. That's where they enjoy life and their relationship with the Lord. And listen, we should never, I just want to take this moment to say this, we should never look at someone who is single and think that they should be married. Because someone who is single might very well be called to be single. And that should be fine. And God calls some people to be single. Yeah, it is better to be single and want to be married than to be married and want to be single. Amen? We can agree on that. All right? Take it easy. Go slowly. You don't want the engagement ring and the wedding ring and the suffering. You know what I'm saying to you? Take it easy. Go slowly. But some people who are single are meant to be single, and that's okay. And we should applaud that and respect that. Well, he goes on. There's more that he talks about for singles, so we'll get to that even further in the chapter. But he goes on now. He gives some advice to the married in verses 10 and 11. Now, this group of the married are the married who are in a troubled marriage. All right? This group that he talks about now in verses 10 and 11 are those who are in a troubled marriage. This is what he says. To the married, I give this command, not I but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. And one of the first things I want to point out here is this little parenthetical comment that Paul makes here when he says, not I, but the Lord, not I, but the Lord. He says, to the married, I give this command, not I, but the Lord. And then he's going to reverse it down in verse 12. He says, to the rest, I say this, I, not the Lord. What he's saying here is both are inspired by the Holy Spirit. One thing Jesus emphasized and one thing he didn't, but I'm just as inspired by the Spirit to tell you both. Okay, so the first one he says here, the advice to the married who are in a troubled marriage. He says, a wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. Is separation a legitimate status in some circumstances? It is. Separation is not ideal, but sometimes necessary. However... Marital faithfulness should be maintained and reconciliation should be sought. Now, I want to speak to this for just a moment because our culture approaches the subject of separation very differently. And I want to make it clear from a biblical perspective the difference between the way our culture views separation and the way the Bible talks about it. In our culture, separation is viewed as a stepping stone to divorce. Often, not always, but often in our culture... It is seen as separation, just a stepping stone to divorce. We're going to separate. We're going to move out. We're going to live our separate lives. And during that time in our culture, most people who are separated think it's also acceptable to start dating other people. Okay? And so what happens typically is when a marriage starts to get in trouble and a husband and a wife separate, they have some kind of a financial agreement. And uh, then they start dating other people, and they just see it as a waiting period until they can finally get divorced. That's not the way the Bible presents it. So the way the Bible presents it is this. 
Sometimes separation is necessary, but it is not to be seen as a stepping stone for divorce. And if you are in a troubled marriage and you've separated from your spouse, it is not time to start playing the field again. You have no business dating somebody if you're separated as a Christian from a troubled marriage. What you should be doing is praying for your marriage and for your spouse. It is not a time to start playing the field again and start dating because you're still married in God's eyes. Now, sometimes separation is necessary, though, for the healing of a marriage that's in trouble, for, for a period to cool down, or maybe because there's also some, some kind of abuse, and so it's dangerous for you to be in that marriage. There are reasons why couples sometimes need to separate. It's not ideal, and the reason I say it's not ideal in most circumstances, some circumstances actually necessary, like when somebody's life is in danger. But it's not ideal for this reason, because you can get used to that separation. And getting used to that separation then can lead to, I kind of like this. Yeah, I don't think I even want to get back. So you have to be very, very careful. This, this whole, it's a tricky thing, folks. The Bible makes allowance for it, but it is also something that should be practiced with carefulness and because there are extenuating circumstances, but it should not be a stepping stone to divorce. It should be a cooling off period towards reconciliation. That's ideally what separation is about in terms of a biblical Christian viewpoint. Okay, we'll come back to some of this throughout the rest of the chapter, so let me just move on a little bit. So then he's going to address here further on, he's going to give counsel now to what he calls the rest, all right? And uh, in verse 12, this is to the rest, particularly those who are married to an unbeliever. If you are married to an unbeliever, listen to verses 12 to 16. He says, to the rest I say this, I not the Lord. And again, that doesn't mean that this is not inspired. He's just simply saying that the Lord Jesus did not specifically comment on this, but he's just as inspired by the Spirit. He says, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So, here's Paul's counsel to the rest, meaning the married who are married to an unbeliever. First, he says this, stay married to the unbeliever as long as he or she is willing for the sake of that person and your children. Now, he talks in there about, otherwise your children wouldn't be clean and, and maybe by staying, your, your husband or your wife who's an unbeliever would be made holy. It's the idea that your godly influence as a believer in that home will spill over in a positive way in that family just by your presence, just by your relationship with Christ and your godly influence. So don't bail on the marriage just because your spouse is an unbeliever. Hang in there, particularly for the sake of that unbelieving spouse because you don't know whether or not they might become a believer because of your godly influence. And for the sake of your children who also need that godly influence. So stay committed 
if your unbeliever that you're married to is willing. But then he does add that second part there. If the unbeliever wants out of the marriage, the believing spouse is no longer bound. That's what he says there. He says in verse 15, but if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. Now, by the way, I've heard that last part quoted by people as an excuse for bailing on a marriage. Well, God called me to live in peace, and I don't have peace with this bozo, so I'm walking. Okay, well, listen, you know, every marriage has its troubles. Every marriage has its difficulties. Every marriage, you know, it, 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 I find it sadly amusing when, you know, the common reason for divorce is unreconcilable differences. Unreconcilable differences. Friends, every marriage has unreconcilable differences. Okay, that's part of marriage. But don't use that verse as an excuse. Well, God calls me to live in peace. I'm going to go live in peace because I don't have any peace in this marriage. No, the burden is on the unbeliever. The believer is supposed to be committed in the marriage. Whether or not the unbeliever stays, that's up to him or her. But if that unbeliever leaves, you are free. Now, that isn't to say that you shouldn't still pray for your unbelieving spouse to come back. I think you should. I think we should do as much as is possible on us and leave the rest to God. And so even though the Bible says here, if your unbelieving spouse leaves, let him go. And some of you are like, good riddance, you know. No, that's not necessarily what that means. That just means if they want to go, you are free. But you shouldn't necessarily stop praying for that person and hope for reconciliation. But on the other hand, if that unbeliever doesn't want it, you are free. Now, here's the hard truth. There are only two reasons in the Bible for divorce as far as being acceptable in God's eyes. There's only two. This is one. If you're married to an unbeliever and that unbeliever leaves. The other one is found in what Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 9. Why don't you turn your Bibles backwards to the Gospel of Matthew, verse 19. In Matthew 19, verse 9. There's this whole conversation here with some of the religious leaders. I won't, for the sake of time, go over the whole conversation. I just want to focus on one verse. But the whole conversation is some of the religious leaders asking Jesus about when is it acceptable to get divorced and, and can you get divorced for any and every reason. Moses seemed to give a lot of reasons. And, and so Jesus kind of whittles it down to one thing, Matthew, 9, Matthew 19, verse 9. He says this, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another, wo another woman commits adultery. Marital unfaithfulness is the other reason. Now, I get this. I, I, get, I understand. I can hear right now. I can hear the wheels of some of your heads turning. What about this situation, that situation, and this? And you don't know what this guy did to me. You don't understand. There might be legitimate reasons for separation. All I can tell you is the only two grounds for biblical reasons for divorce are marital unfaithfulness, if there's been adultery in the marriage, and if an unbelieving spouse leaves. There might be other reasons, again, for separation, why the marriage is unhealthy. I'm just telling you, as far as divorce goes, there are only two biblical grounds. Again, let me just reiterate, I feel prompted by the Spirit to say that even when there's been unfaithfulness, that is not God saying you should divorce. That is simply saying there are two ways out that can be exercised. In the event of adultery, in the event an unbelieving spouse leaves. 
The Bible never encourages divorce. God hates divorce, the Bible says. So I am happy to tell you that I've also seen, to God's glory, marriages who have gone through adultery between a husband or a wife, somebody's cheated or both, that have been gloriously and wonderfully healed and restored. Okay? So that needs to be said. Because just because there's adultery in a marriage does not necessarily mean that the marriage is doomed. God is a worker of miracles. Does it take two to want to restore the marriage? Yes. And some of you have tried desperately to do it by yourself, and you know it can't be done by yourself, can it? There should never be shame for divorce, friends. Divorce is a terrible and a tragic thing that happens. But we need to be mindful of the fact that there are a lot of people who have gone through divorce and broken marriages, and they're hurting, and what they need is God's grace, and they need God's people to love them and to help them however they can. The danger in talking about marriage and divorce is for people to examine their lives and to say to themselves, well, it didn't work out that way for me, and now what? And is God upset with me? And I wish my life was as neat as everything in chapter 7, but now it's been complicated by this, and I'm not even sure my spouse was or wasn't an unbeliever, but they left anyway. So what does that mean? Because I don't know their heart, and so were they... And all this kind of stuff that can just be very confusing and very challenging. And I just want to say that on a lot of levels... Each marital situation has to be individually looked at, and every single marital thing has to be individually, you know, uh, helped and, and um, sorted out. And, um, you know, every time I talk about this issue, then, then it starts to get heavier and heavier on the schedule for our, for our counselors we have on staff here. But, you know, that said, that's, that's why we have them here, uh, because... Marriage can be tough. They're two different people with two different personalities, two, two different perspectives, especially when one's a believer and one's not. And to try to bring those two together as one flesh takes work. But everything that is valuable and everything that is worthy takes work in life. Nothing that is valuable comes easily. Everything that is valuable and, and worth preserving and protecting and keeping takes work and discipline and don't you know that the enemy satan wants nothing more than destroy your marriage and destroy your family and to shame you because your marriage is hurting or troubled or already dissolved i just want to take time right at this moment to just come to a place where no matter what your status whether you're never married previously married in a good marriage in a bad marriage, widowed, divorced, that we just come before the Lord and say, Lord, we just need your help. We just need to be content in the status we're in now and trust you. Do as much as we can as far as it depends on us and leave the rest to you. Today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians has blessed you and drawn you closer to Jesus. Pastor Gary has more to share, but this is where we need to end for today. Feel free to read ahead before you join us next time on Cornerstone Connection. 
If you'd like to listen to this message again or explore other teachings from Pastor Gary Hamrick, just visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can even download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. If you're in the Leesburg area, you're invited to join us for our weekly gatherings at Cornerstone Chapel. Come by on Sunday or Wednesday to spend time in worship, Bible study, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll be able to find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc or give us a call. We can be reached at 703-771-1500. And when you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 703-771-1500. Would you pray for us too? Please pray that we keep our eyes always on the truth of who God is and that we move forward only by His power. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul, that you've got no place to go, but still you know.